Hello, and welcome to episode five. Um, I'm calling this Open Book. This is part one of 30 of the Open Book series. My name is Okara, and I am just happy to be here. So, the Open Book series is a series that will be driven by your questions. Um, I have been posting um, much to much to little avail. <laughs> Um, a post that says I'll be honest for the first 30 questions. I have one question so far. And so I decided that I'll probably just do this um, one at a time. Um, and it'll just be a, a branch off series within the podcast. Um, the question has to do with authentic self. Um, and... My dear friend, Ari Ann, asked on Facebook, at what age and what event, if any, caused you to decide to be your whole authentic self? Um, So again, the question is, when, how, and why you decided to be your whole authentic self? Um, (laughs) Because today I've been feeling like really weird and pressed to um, come up with an episode that has like the same level of organization and feeling as my previous ones Uh, and of course with any creative process you end up at a point where you're like oh (laughs) so that's when everything was easily flowing and now is when I have to work Um, so uh, today in the spirit of being an open book um I'll just answer this question and maybe read some of the things I wrote down, but for the most part, we are just going to talk. (laughs) Or I'll talk and you'll listen, which, you know, it's fine, but if I see you in person, I will totally shut up so you can talk. (laughs) Promise. Um, So when I decided to be my most whole authentic self, ah, when I was growing up, I was like that baby that like really doesn't cause problems and then as I grew up I you know I didn't really bring any problems home from school or from home to school (laughs) Um, I was just kind of chilling for the most part Uh, that was largely how my social life looked as well like I was more of a background player as far as I saw it just kind of you know the friends I had were friends that found me I felt like um and I was a wallflower uh, just kind of going chilling giving A's and going home relatively quietly <laughs> um but I was so 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 awkward like outwardly I believe you know, it's weird, you know, hindsight 2020, I'm not sure exactly how any of this looked from the outside, but for me, I was very much, uh, background, I felt awkward about everything, and not in, like, the kind of cute, funny way that I kind of still operate in now, but in a way that was like, I am frozen, (laughs) 
when presented with a room full of people, I am frozen. I do not want to talk in this large group. I will just wait. Um, that kind of that kind of feeling. And I felt like I felt stunted. I felt like it just began to feel like that wasn't really supposed to be me. Um, thinking about now, and I wish I had the book with me, I started reading a few years ago a book from my godmother called Kali Rising, um, The Basic Principles of Tantra. And it's it mentioned something about Sponda. Um, just that effervescent in the moment like right now this is it this is happening there just came or rather like there was an analogy (laughs) uh if you eat a bowl of ice cream every day after work and that is a small thing that brings you joy okay you do it every day now if you were just to say this i eat a bowl of ice cream every day maybe it sounds like a bad thing Maybe it sounds like a bad habit, but if that bowl of ice cream continues to bring you joy, that one bowl after work every day, then there's no reason to question it. There's no reason to feel guilt or anything like that. But the moment, the very moment that it no longer brings you joy and becomes something that you're questioning, do I really need this? Should I? I feel kind of bad. Why do you feel bad? Do you feel bad because, you know, someone has influenced you? Of course, that's always a possibility. Or do you feel bad because somewhere in you, you know that it's time for that to end? That moment where it's just time. It's just time for it to stop. And it doesn't have to be before that. And there's nothing wrong with the time before that. But in that moment, it becomes enough. And that's when you need to reevaluate. That's when it becomes a bad habit no longer brings you joy now it's a source of inner tension conflict okay sponda the moment has happened it is time it was really like that for me um deciding i guess (laughs) a lot of times you don't decide these kinds of things but due to the nature of me being so introspective my whole life There was a bit of a moment, you know, God knows, somewhere in high school. (laughs) No, no. Was it high school or middle school? I think it was high school. I decided that that person, even just a year before, two years before, there was a lot of school changing. Even the person two years or so before wasn't really who I was supposed to be. It started feeling less and less like me. Of course, you know, I was continuing to operate in it because, you know, it's hard. You can't change that stuff overnight. (laughs) But it was feeling less and less like me. I'm not supposed to be just waiting for life to happen and then, you know, diarying about it later. I'm not meant to be afraid to speak or to feel things about people, about stuff. Um, There's just some moment between middle school and high school when I decided, 
I was going to be the protagonist of my life. And God love it. The Alchemist is a beautiful story full of self-reflection. It's beautifully written. Um, But it talks about, you know, your own personal legend. You are the protagonist of your story. Make it so. Um, And that's really what it was. I decided that I was going to be my whole authentic self whatever it was I was going to figure it out and that is literally just one choice at a time over and over and over again um there's a saying I'm not sure where I got it from that's something akin to um you know life is a series of choices period (laughs) there's very little that is purely good and purely bad um (laughs) there's more purely good than there is purely bad I would say but we can get into that at some other time but choices is most of what our existence is in any moment any day any conversation any exchange of anything is a series of choices um and as far as being my whole authentic self it's almost a little amorphous to say when it happened the event was sponda the event was it was time it was just it was just time um any diary readings i have (laughs) sporadically over those years um shows the tiny little moments of choice where, you know, in my teens and my preteens, I was zeroed in on them and had a hard time seeing the bigger picture. I think in the moment I decided to be my whole self, I suddenly had a vision of the bigger picture and it and in it was no place for me to be a wallflower. There was no place for me to be um, a concern to speak, hesitant, unsure of myself. It was, well, we're going to figure it out one choice at a time. And your guess is as good as mine what choices I'm going to make. But here here we go. <laughs> so there it went. Um, my own personal legend really didn't begin until then. Because then is when I kind of... Uh, really started looking into myself and not so much of like passively watching my thoughts go by or passively writing my thoughts and then forgetting them but more so in examining myself not just observing like seeing and knowing things to be true and to be happening but examining them uh why why did I do that Why do I want to do that? How do I feel about this? How do I feel about them? How did that, how did what they said make me feel and why? Why did I answer? Why did I not answer? Why did I answer the way that I answered? What did I do that for? How do I feel about what I chose? Um, What are my options? What am I choosing and why? Now, again, (laughs) how do I feel about what I chose? It's just like, ever since I decided that I could make a decision about who 
and how I was, it became a constant look at myself. I talk a lot about, um, (laughs) I talk a lot about self looking into self, um, and with other people even, um, once I kind of started looking at myself this way, all of a sudden those who felt similarly but were not as prepared to look at things the way I was necessarily, they started to be drawn to me. I started encountering all these people who really, really needed to be able to safely look at self. And so a lot of times we are afraid. (laughs) Most of the time we are afraid to look at self Um, And so what becomes important is deciding to anyway, to look and kind of like, (laughs) I hate to do this, but like similarly to Bird Box, where it was like, okay, just look, 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 you have to look at this thing is kind of how I felt (laughs) talking to a lot of people. It was just like, I know. I know, I promise you, I know it is scary. I promise, I understand that when you start to look into yourself, it looks like just this bottomless dark and you don't know what's there and you're scared to get your toes in because you can't touch the ground. I know, I know, I know, I know, but that's all the way why it's so important to do it. And the only reason I believe that I have come to a place where people see me as being wholly authentic and true to myself is hopefully because they can see that work that I do inside um but it's a matter of looking in it's a matter of being able to look inside yourself and see you for what you are all the bits and all the pieces and that's what I wanted to do that's what I decided to do I decided I decided to be who I wanted to be by just learning who that was already and onward and onward and on you you go because the learning never stops because the changing never stops and so continuously you decide to be yourself by learning yourself (laughs) and that's like that's what one of the most major factors is um and i i want to like keep going on and on and on but there's a couple parts where we can stop and do a little bit of a mental mukbang so i'm going to do that now i'm going to pause the ramblings the musings and i'm going to do a couple uh readings So for mental mukbang today, um, at least the start of it, I wanted to to read a poem from the writings of Rumi. Um, It's one of the poems that stuck to me from early childhood, about that time (laughs) that that I discussed being when I decided to be my authentic self to find out who that was and be that in the process um that might be why it stuck with me um so strongly I didn't even really remember the title of it anything like that or how it went just what it made me feel and kind of the idea of it it's called the guest house 
This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture still. Treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Now that just... (laughs) And I hadn't found it again until today. I literally talked about it with someone dear to me last night, talked about this poem and what it meant to me, and referenced it in another conversation. And again today, in attempting to answer the question of when and why and how I decided to be my whole authentic self, The Guest House by Rumi is one of the major players in that, I really believe. Um... Because the idea is that every part of you is, is something that you should just be introduced to, acknowledge, respect, and they're all important. So your joy should be acknowledged and respected. Your sadness should be acknowledged and accepted. Your melancholy, your malice, your shame, acknowledged and accepted because only then can you start to be in charge of which are actually occupying the house of yourself. But you can't <laughs> you can't manage which of these emotional guests are present in your house if you are not acknowledging and respecting them you can't (laughs) it's kind of like you can't get I don't know like respecting someone that you don't particularly like you and that person will both be better off and things and happenings and dealings will go much smoother when you acknowledge the dislike, but also acknowledge the validity, respect the other, and then your transaction can actually happen and something good might actually come despite the fact that you don't like this person. The same goes with little bits and pieces of yourself. You cannot find yourself becoming your best or being your whole self without acknowledging and respecting the parts of yourself that one, you don't know yet, two, you're maybe afraid of, three, don't like. <laughs> but once you start to ex- like respect and acknowledge those parts, you come into a stronger position in your whole self. You become more the head of the household than you ever could be without acknowledging all of yourself. Rather than just being a timid, frightened guest in your own house with all these other parts and feelings and thoughts, you become more so the head of the household by acknowledging, respecting, and bringing them all together to serve a greater purpose, which is your best self and moving in the world 
as your best self. Um, so yeah, that poem is absolutely huge to me. <laughs> and it's so funny that I just happened to find it reading through Rumi today, trying to figure out how to get this episode going. Um, I absolutely adore that idea of acknowledging all the parts of yourself and therefore being able to be in life with love and laughter because you know the dark parts now. Uh, They are part of you and therefore you need not be afraid because they're only extensions of yourself. And uh, you, you and I on and on and on until we no longer exist have to keep doing that (laughs) and that's for me what it largely means to be your authentic self your whole authentic self um another reading that sticks out to me while i'm here in the book of rumi um it doesn't have a title it's one of one of his musings (laughs) it says We are the mirror as well as the face in it. We are tasting the taste this minute of eternity. We are pain and what cures pain, both. We are the sweet cold water and the jar that pours. For me, this poem, in the context of this discussion, becomes sort of why, the why. Not so much the when and the how, but why why to be your whole authentic self? What is, what is the value of that? And a lot of times, I think as far as humanity is concerned, a lot of times, much of the reason to be your best self and to love yourself and to respect and care for yourself is that once you do, once I do, once we do, we become a greater part of the light in the world, the greater world. Um, In order to see you, I must be able to see myself in order to be true to you I have to be honest with myself in order to love you I have to be able to love myself and all that that means and I think that's well god that's gigantic (laughs) it's it's one of the biggest parts of why I sing why I write why I turn my little musings into songs and poems and mantras to be shared, despite how raw they may be, despite how hurt I was when I wrote them, despite the tears that literally still crumple the page in forgotten wetness. (laughs) Why I share those pieces is because... I have to be able to understand and love myself to be able to understand and love you. And sometimes that means putting into words for other people. I'm the mirror and I'm the face in the mirror. I am your mirror, you're mine. I see me when I see you and vice versa. You see me when you see you and vice versa. It's like um, eternally feeding this 
cycle of knowledge and love of self and therefore the knowledge and love in others. Knowledge and love of others, therefore knowledge and love of self. That's the why. That's why you ought to be your best, your most true, whole, authentic self. Not only because that way I get to operate more fully as a light in the world, but also because someone might need to see it to remember their own personal legend. Someone might need to hear it. Maybe it hasn't been said in the right way. Maybe it takes a certain meter or a certain melody. Maybe it takes a certain holding of a hand or a certain performance for someone to see it. Be that a professional performance or just the performance of you yourself. Because there are many levels of self and one of them is performative. Someone might need to see your performance of authentic self, your performance of self-love, your performance of self-knowledge and acceptance. Someone might need to see that. Maybe you needed to see it. And that's what started you on your way. For me, I just decided that I wanted to. And in that, I gave myself permission. Why I continue has become, again, a self-fulfilling cycle of <laughs> uh, discovery, self-discovery, and, and also the calling to put that on display in a way that others can see themselves in me as well. Um, so I guess there's a sort of a sense of responsibility that I took on, that I take on, um, that maybe isn't, you know, that's not the deeply rooted reason of why you should be your true and whole authentic self. But for me, a big part of it is that someone needs to see it and someone needs to hear it. And so for me to be a clear and truthful mirror, I have to be clear and truthful with myself first. Um, it's a responsibility maybe that I gave myself, <laughs> but um, it's something I do in love, and it, and it feeds me back as well. This isn't a situation of attempting to be a bottomless well, um, a font that has no end. This isn't necessarily that. It's just that it does feed me as well. Um, not only to be as me as I can be, but also to allow myself to be that mirror for other people. Um, so <laughs> I was also going to do some readings of, um, of my own, um, but before that, I'll kind of go into a little side segment as well. So this is just a little bit of my musings 
Um, a part of me learning to be my authentic self was developing my own system of self-care, my own system of spirituality. Um, <clears throat> because a lot of the current existing systems don't fully serve me. So I figured if anyone could fully serve me, it'd be me. Um, a long time ago began uh, my relationship, my connection to the moon. Um, part of this is, for me, like just science. Now, this is like philosophized science, I'm pretty sure, but <laughs> it has roots. So um, the idea that the moon pulls the tides um, the moon is directly connected to, um, or rather the gravity of our planet is directly connected to the moon. Therefore, there's a connection between the water here and the moon. There are tides that go in and out, push and pulled. And what are we humans, but not like we've learned for so many years, so very much water. <laughs> we are so much drops of water. So for me, I sort of began to acknowledge that connection. Um, also, I am a adult menstruating woman, <laughs> okay? Um, so around the time of puberty, I began to associate the moon phases and moon cycles with my own phases and cycles and in that began the building of my own sort of spirituality, my own sort of self-awareness, self-care um, before really having the words for that. <laughs> um, so I would, <laughs> I would lay as a habit, as a ritual, <laughs> I would lay myself down in the light of the moon, wherever it was. Now, far be it from me to explain how and why, from whatever room I'm living in, I always have a full view of the moon's passage across the sky. I don't know how this has happened. I do not know how this has happened. But it has. And it became a long time ago a ritual of mine to lay myself out fully naked in the light of the moon. Um, to the point <laughs> where, now today it's 2019, so to the point of about nine years ago when I was <laughs> like 15 or 16, I wrote a poem called Moonbeams. And it was kind of my own doctrine of this ritual that I had begun of laying myself out in the full moon and how it made me feel, how I began to channel the energies that I needed through this ritual. It literally is laid out in this poem or this set of stanzas that were meant to be something. Um, so I'll read that for you now. Um, as a part of my own personal musings, this poem was written July 9th, 2008 at 10.30 p.m. 
moonbeams. Gazing through weathered glass, moonbeams trace the maze of my fingertips. Staring deep into my own eyes, the light is soft on my skin, caressing my very soul. Moonbeams sweetly kiss me in places only they can, lying in a cloak of silence, reveling in the glory of bare-bodied freedom, receiving answers to queries I've not yet dared to utter, troublesome. Inwardly reaching towards a never-ending comfort, moonbeams quietly hold fast my heart. My own power flows once again through even my deepest subconscious states, as order is restored in the chaos of my being. Gladly welcoming the peace, and I gladly welcoming the peace brought by my immortal friends in the stars, moonbeams, penetrate the barriers built in earlier hours. Thank you. I think I believed that I would finish that <laughs> to some extent. It feels unfinished to me, but it also, like I said, it already highlights all the things that I began to build in my journey to be my most authentic self. That sort of private spirituality that I had found is outlined in this poem. Um, so the physical just laying out in the moonbeams and allowing a sort of physiological synapse to go off to connect the act of lying in the moonbeams and the act of being charged by it. The act of being entered by the light of the moon as well. Um, so in that, it's you could call it complicated <laughs> but there's a sense of mother daughter there's a sense of lover and that connection to my own sensuality and then there's the sense of um food source energy source um being recharged as if i had come from the moon <laughs> um as i got older it did become something where I was exploring uh, the moon as a deity, my own personal, something with a face and name to my own personal spirituality that could be mother-like, that could also be lover-like. Um, I started a full moon ritual in recent years um, where I self-love in the full light of the moon usually the full moon or a few days before or after I give myself love in the physical form smack dead in the center of whatever window has the most light coming in and I and I love self in the light of the moon that became a part of my own spiritual um, sense of self um, and I think that's a part of not the social, but that spiritual aspect of myself um, is where I began to take on the sort of moniker, the daughter of the moon. I am a daughter of the moon. I write about it. Excuse me. I write about it. I sing about it. I think about it. I talk about it a lot. Um, it's, it, it's become a large part of my brand, and that's the reason why the moon has become 
a part of how I access my true authentic self. So I wanted to throw that in um, into the discussion because the previous segments sort of outlined a social aspect and also an emotional aspect as far as mental health and knowing myself. And this is sort of closes the circle in that this is my spiritual self. This is how I began to discover, learn, and be true to myself through my own sort of personal spirituality. Um, So, yeah, I am going to wrap up here (laughs) Um, and we'll do our closing segment. Now, I want to close a little lighter than we opened. <laughs> so I'm going to close with a Zodiac moment. Um, I think there's, of course, a lot to be said and to be taken a grain with a grain of salt as far as Zodiac signs <laughs> and astrology. However, um... It is something that we use to help understand our own motivations, to make sense of patterns that we've seen. My personal interaction with Zodiac and astrology is simply, I don't acknowledge any Zodiac trope until I see a pattern of it myself. (laughs) So um, within that, um, speaking of self, I did do a little autocorrect (laughs) so it's a bit of autocorrect and also (laughs) also zodiac moment um it's a short little something but i wanted to close with it because it's kind of funny (laughs) um the prompt is i'm a libra that's why i'm a libra that's why i'm so sorry about that (laughs) i'm a libra That's why I'm so glad to see the world in this moment. I'm a Libra. That's why I love it so much. (laughs) So, I don't know. These all seem vaguely related to me as well. (laughs) So, like, I'm a Libra. That's why I'm so sorry about that. I am very often looking at 50,000 facets of a coin to the point where it's no longer two sides of a coin but rather the faces of a die (laughs) so i'm like evaluating like oh man this is what i did and i feel like it wasn't operating at my highest and this is how that person feels i'm so sorry about that i can't take it back but here let me commit myself to like doing better and figuring it out being better (laughs) i don't know i don't know that's a that's a thing that's why i'm so sorry about because there's this sense of like wanting to be a diplomat and when i slip up as far as respect and discipline and diplomacy when i slip up in those things i feel really bad about it because there's like this personal responsibility to uphold justice and balance and peace and when I feel like I failed to do that, I feel really bad. So I'm a Libra and that's why I'm so sorry. I keep saying sorry. <laughs> um, and then like 
I'm a Libra. That's why I'm so glad to see the world at this moment. I'm super visual. Um, I'm very visual, but I'm also very auditory. I don't know. It's more like a, it's more of a general aesthetic kind of thing. <laughs> I'm very much drawn to aesthetics that are pleasing to me. Um, sometimes an aesthetic is pleasing simply because the factors come together into a full cohesive aesthetic and that is satisfying to me as well even if it's not mine it's not my aesthetic but it's still pleasing to me that these different things have come together into an aesthetic um in another sense i'm glad to see the world because i feel like i'm always like pondering and observing and trying to see all the sides of that die, um, I do find myself grateful and joyful in like really tiny things in life. So um, <laughs> be it little sounds or the sound of someone's voice or hearing someone I care about say my name or seeing strangers smile at one another and like watching that exchange happen or um seeing like a wild animal doing something that was kind of funny <laughs> at that moment them you know climbing up the tree a weird way or um <laughs> or interacting with each other you know kind of oh wow so it doesn't mean <laughs> because this little thing is like happening actually um think playing for some excel being good at something all that shit but i digress i feel like <laughs> um and then i'm gonna so much i'm full, full of i can sing the song really like ah oh, this one love me i much love to give i got all this <laughs> and i love so many things i love so many people for some reason i can't really say that it's libra but it fits me, it fits me. <laughs> as a libra um i'm gonna fly <laughs> so um this is just a discussion about that version of the and this being the book is partially I begin as first it's part one when they walk through how often I don't know call to give questions so for now um, I'm sorry I'm just happy to be here